0: A lot happening, huh? It's all good. It's all good stuff. So, good morning, everybody. I want to say that James is either brave or foolish to try to list all the names <laughs> when we've got three quarters of the church involved. But uh, and I don't know if you left anybody out, but if if so, you know I would have just said, "Please stand if you help with the VBS." Of course, most people would be standing. So, it's uh, it's been it's been a great week. And I was so impressed with the uh, ingenuity. When James told me Sunday, you know, we had to cancel the service last Sunday because we didn't have power. But when James told me that they were actually thinking about doing it without power, my first thought, I did not say this to his face, you're crazy. <laughs> I know. And, uh, yeah, and he owns that too. So, but, uh, but, my goodness, they did. They pulled it off. They pulled it off. Generator, you saw the generator, we had we had stage lights, we had screens, we had music. It's amazing what we were able to accomplish. So I just want to give my thanks. And also, you know, James didn't do just a little bit of involvement. He was very involved, obviously. So. so last week, the storm knocked out our electricity and our morning service. You know, Dallas Henry was scheduled to preach this morning. So before you go, oh, no, we, we rescheduled him. He graciously agreed to switch with me because though I could probably preach this morning's message pretty much at any time, it's especially timely this month. So because June is now a month when you see rainbows or rainbow colors almost everywhere, I thought it appropriate to celebrate June, Noahic Covenant Month, right? Isn't that what it is? Of course, the covenant God made with Noah was that he would never again destroy the earth with a flood. And the sign of this covenant was the first rainbow. Now scripture doesn't answer every question about Noah and his ark such as were there woodpeckers aboard? (laughs) The woodpecker may have to go or I can just imagine this did dogs on the ark lobby Noah to keep the cats off like in this far side cat cartoon where the dogs tell Noah check their papers because they're probably forged and they'll scratch the furniture and transmit ringworm. (laughs) Now this isn't in the Genesis account of Noah But scholars believe that a verse in the book of Hezekiah, look it up, confirms that the first time this question was ever asked was on the ark. Are we there yet? (laughs) And of all the challenges that Noah faced, this was probably his most difficult. This is also not in scripture, but uh, it's tradition that he's standing out there with an umbrella and only a tree and a patch of dirt remain. The dog is taking his sweet time doing his business. I find it quite heartening in this month of June to see so many people, see so many businesses, celebrities, government entities, sports news outlets, pretty much everyone everywhere displaying rainbow colors. Remembering God's covenant with Noah. Of course I'm kidding. No one this month is celebrating the mercy of God, and his amazing wonder of displaying that mercy in the rainbow we see when the sun shines with the rain. On the contrary, the celebration we're seeing is something that the Word of God addresses with absolute clarity. In Romans chapter 1, I'm going to read first from 28 through 32. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. In verse 32, this is a key verse, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. This is always a sobering passage, made even more sobering by what we're seeing throughout our culture this month. Of course, we have to start with why it should be sobering to all of us. Because after all, Paul writes about all manner of unrighteousness. That kind of doesn't let anybody in this room off the hook, does it? And if we're honest, we can all find ourselves somewhere in this long list of sins. But just before these verses we read in Romans 1, 18 through 32, we get a little more context about those Paul said did not see fit to acknowledge God. Because in those verses right before, verses 24 through 27, he writes, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. So, this is a tough passage, but it's also very clear. Do we take this seriously? None of us escapes the judgment of God for our sins, apart from the redeeming sacrifice of Christ. But we do see our sexually broken culture clearly identified, exchanging the truth of God for a lie, worshiping and serving themselves rather than the Creator. And we even see not Noahic Covenant Month. That might be a good month to celebrate, right? But Pride Month in the final verse of Romans 1 When again it says, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. They not only do them. Do what? Well, at least some of the things they do are labeled as shameful lusts, exchanging natural relations for unnatural ones, committing shameful acts with each other. Now, brothers and sisters, if we truly believe the Word of God is our authority for faith and for practice, in other words, what we believe and what we do, how we live our lives, we cannot ignore these words. We cannot explain them away. We cannot, at least with any integrity, we cannot undermine the clear meaning of Scripture. The Word tells us that those who practice such things deserve to die. That's the death penalty, right? We're talking about eternal death too. So let's be clear here. Yes, I deserve to die because I am a sinner. It's not just those awful folks out there, the people that we lament every day in our culture. It's never just them. I deserve eternal death. I deserve to be separated from God. It's only because God has applied the righteousness of God through Christ to me. It's only because Jesus has taken the penalty for my sins upon himself that I will not get what I so truly deserve. We have to start there, my brothers and sisters. I deserve judgment. And actually, the rainbow is an amazing and wonderful symbol for us. We all deserve judgment. But God is merciful. But that mercy never makes my sin okay. It had to be paid for. My sin always needs to be forsaken and repented of so it can be forgiven by God through the blood of Christ. The polar opposite of that is what is referenced in verse 32, which we read here a moment ago. Doing these things unrepentantly and even approving of them. The original language here for give approval has a meaning more than just simply consent. It means to think well, to take pleasure with others, hence to approve, to be like-minded, well-pleased to do something. We might even call it celebrating. And that's what Pride Month is doing in our culture. It's celebrating these things that God clearly declares to be sin, and it's everywhere you cannot escape it businesses of all kinds openly declare their allegiance to this new religion and make no mistake this is a quasi religious holiday a whole month of it of course you could make a case that it goes year-round too shoe brands like Converse, Adidas and Vans all have their pride specials Apple has their pride gear Target has their pride wear including their displays of clothing and accessories for trans children, such as chest binders and packing underwear. If you don't know what that is, I hate to even suggest that you Google it and look it up. Probably better if you just ask me. In fact, it's hard to find a company or a government agency that's not at one level or another celebrating this new religious holiday. Now, some are out front and open. Others do it more quietly, but it's happening everywhere the formerly family-friendly Disney company, local, state, and national government agencies, sports leagues, restaurant chains, you name it. Now consider the irony of Pride Month. The Bible tells us clearly that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now we've preached on pride here before in kind of a more General sense without this very specific application. But here we're talking about pride in sexual behavior that the Bible calls sin. The Bible calls almost all forms of pride sin. We won't get further into this idea, but suffice it to say that the Bible doesn't have much good to say about pride in general, especially pride in sinful behavior. You can check out the message from July 2020 if you want to dig a little deeper on pride. Today, people look to themselves. They look inside themselves for both meaning and direction. And this leads inevitably to pride. As believers, we are to look to God and His Word for meaning and direction. This inevitably leads to humility and grace. It leads to humility because we see how sinful we are. And we see how gracious God is and merciful. Our own desires are not trustworthy guides. Think about how you teach your kids. Do you teach them to just go with what they want anytime? They're also not worthy of our worship. Only God can fill that hole. Now, in my research, I found this great illustration, I think, of this cultural moment. Imagine with me, if you will, a sailor. He's new to the ship and crew, and he's confused about where the ship is heading. It's nighttime, and the ship's movements don't match his training to use the North Star as a fixed reference point for his navigation. So the confused sailor goes to the captain. He says, Captain, where are we going? The captain replies, well, you know, we do things a little differently here. See the lantern on the ship's bow? That's our guiding light. That's how we're making our way across the sea. What's wrong with this picture? Huh? No wonder the ship's movements don't make any sense. Guiding a ship by a reference point that's on the ship means the ship is adrift. It's sailing nowhere. Human life is like a ship. To get where we're meant to go, we must have a reference point outside of both ourselves and our world. We need a north star. After all, humanity is trapped in a labyrinth of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're trapped because we've taken our eyes off God, our creator, and looked within the ship of creation to find our own way, as we've just read in Romans chapter 1. Our minds have become futile. Guiding a ship by a reference point on the ship means the ship is adrift, voyaging to nowhere. Now, the North Star reference reminded me of what I remember as a very important message preached by Jim Grinnell 10 years ago. I didn't realize it was that long ago until I went looking for it. Some of you may remember it. This was really before the current era of almost total buy-in in our culture, long before we had a pride month to the whole LGBTQ worldview, But it was starting to go at that point more mainstream, and Christians, including believers here in this fellowship, were asking more and more, how are we to respond to this? Well, Jim talked about how we might view those trapped in this worldview, and he illustrated some distinct differences. You might also want to find that message. It was preached in October 2013. You can find that online on our website. Now much has changed in our culture since then, not the least of which is that the T and the Q of LGBTQ have become much more prominent in the cultural discussion. One of the six frameworks or viewpoints Jim outlined was the orthodox, now that's small o, orthodox Christian framework. These are people who know and believe that homosexual behavior is a sin because that's what the Bible declares it to be, and they trust Christ to help them overcome and resist that sin. It's a recognition that because sin affects every part of us, for some people, that their sexuality doesn't point true north. True north is defined by Scripture. It's not defined by our feelings. And as believers in Christ, we should always be in the Word, trusting Him to lead us and to guide us. As noted a moment ago, when Jim preached that message ten years ago, the issue was primarily gay marriage and homosexual attraction and behavior. Today, that's still out there, but now it seems to pale in comparison, at least in the public mind, to the whole trans and queer challenge, the T and Q of the growing list of letters describing sexual identity of people who adhere to this worldview. The most devilishly, And I use that word quite intentionally. But one of the most devilishly insidious ways this movement is growing is by the very intentional indoctrination of our children. I want to watch a couple short video clips. So let's have audio ready for this, Jerry. Blues Blue's Clues from Nick Jr. with 27 million subscribers on YouTube. And Muppet Babies from Disney Jr., And both of these programs are targeted to two- to five-year-olds. Watch this.
1: Hey, Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly, and they all two by two. Hurrah! Hurrah! Families marching two by two. Hurrah! Hurrah! This family has two daddies. They love each other so proudly and they all go marching in the big parade. Come on, friends! Families marching three by three. Hurrah! 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 hurrah. Families marching three by three. Hurrah! so proudly and they all go marching in the big parade families marching four by four, hurrah hurrah, families marching four by four, hurrah hurrah, trans members of this family all love each other so proudly and they all go marching in the big parade come join the fun, families marching five by five, hurrah hurrah Families marching five by five, hurrah, hurrah. Some people choose their families. They love each other so proudly and they all go marching in. The big parade. Families marching six by six, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching six by six, hurrah, hurrah. Ace by and pan grown-ups you see can love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in. Seven by seven, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching seven by seven, hurrah, hurrah. All families are made differently, they love each other so proudly, and they all go marching in the big parade. Families marching eight by eight, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching eight by marching nine by nine hurrah hurrah hurrah. hurrah. families marching nine by nine Hurrah, Hurrah, hurrah hurrah allies to the queer community can love their queer friends so proudly and they all go marching in should love proudly and we'll all go marching in the Big (laughs) Hooray! Wow! (laughs) Thanks, Blue! Happy Pride Month! (laughs) There you are! You missed our royal ball! We met the most amazing princess! But they ran away, and all they left behind was this. Everyone, there's something I need to tell you. The princess who came to your ball tonight was me. I'm Gonzarella. (gasps) But, Gonzo, why didn't Vu tell us? Because you all expected me to look a certain way. I don't want you to be upset with me, but I don't want to do things just because that's the way they've always been done, either. I want to be me. Oh, Gonzo. We're sorry. It wasn't very nice of us to tell you what to wear to our ball. You're our friend, and we love you anyway you are. Yeah, of course we do. Yeah. I say, we get rid of this old royal handbook and make a better one. And in our new handbook, everyone can come to the ball dressed however they like.
0: <sighs> now, I see those things, and I think of my almost three-year-old grandson, I think of our precious kids here at TCF perhaps stumbling on a channel like this, you know, made for kids their age, and it just grieves me. And then it makes me mad. So parents, be careful about what your kids watch. Today we're dealing not just with gay marriage or homosexual behavior, but with an explosion of children and teens thinking they're in the wrong body and consequently seeking chemical and surgical solutions to those feelings. They want to transition to the opposite sex or to a gender, to use the popular language of the day, not assigned at birth. Now, if you want to use that phrase, assigned at birth, we could also say that it was God who assigned it. The body that grew inside my mother was given to me on purpose by a creator who decided to give it. Gender dysphoria is illness, and in the parched search for something to tell us what are and many of our age have tell us what we are, many in our age have clutched at an illness to d- bestow some kind of direction to their lives. Now, trans is rooted in the same sense of identity that Jim Grinnell talked about in his sermon ten years ago i 'm having these feelings, therefore it must be who I really am. Now we won 't get into how incredibly sad this new reality is. We have children who cannot get an aspirin in school without parental approval, and they're seeking medical treatment for gender dysphoria, sometimes completely without parental involvement, let alone approval. Many, if not most of these, have other underlying mental health issues that likely need to be considered before anything else. But then we have school counselors affirming the feelings of dysphoria and moving these children toward homo- hormone treatment or cutting off body parts. And doctors in gender clinics, and yes, that's a thing now, gender clinics, participating in this. God created them male and female, Genesis one twenty seven says. But here's the challenge for us. Yes, there is such a thing as gender dysphoria. It's described as the experiences of distress associated with the incongruence wherein one's psychological and emotional gender identity does not match one's biological sex. So because it can be a real thing, this is where we must begin to think through our biblical response to Pride Month and all of the things in our culture related to this. We want all of our responses to people and culture to be shaped and guided by the word of God just as it needs to be our authority for faith it also needs to be our authority for practice what we do how we respond remember this Jesus is full of grace but he's also full of truth it tells us in John 1 14 so because of that because he is full of grace because he is full of truth we have to consider how to bring both these things to the discussion So, we shouldn't dismiss, in fact, we should feel compassion. We certainly shouldn't mock, we should feel compassion for anyone experiencing some sort of mental distress about a perceived misalignment between their gender identity and their body. But this is very important. Not dismissing the reality of their inner feelings is not the same as affirming those feelings. Let me say that again. We don't want to dismiss, we want to have compassion. But not dismissing the reality of those inner feelings is not the same as affirming those feelings. I know many in this room who are facing or have faced the challenges of family members or friends, people they know who are gay, lesbian, trans, etc. As a result, they've had to make some hard choices, including things like not attending a family members gay wedding I can't affirm that I'm sorry I love you I'll be with you any other time but I can't affirm that but also not rejecting a trans granddaughter we must remember that each of them each of these people are image bearers of God it's distorted just like it is in all of us and in this case it's distorted because of their sexual brokenness we also need to remember that these people are not our enemies That's a hard one, too, sometimes. It's easier to remember when they're friends or family, but what about when it's the belligerent person in the pride parade? What about if it's the person who produced these videos we just saw? What about when it's the drag queen shaking his genitals and his behind in a room with young children? Worse still, with the kid's parents laughing and taking pictures. I've seen it, not in person, but I've seen videos of this. What about when it's the government official celebrating Pride Month? When these things are true, we need to remember Ephesians 6.12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This present darkness, the world we live in, the enemy of our souls is and always has been hard at work in our culture and Pride Month represents a worldview of our enemy. Yet as believers in Christ we must bring the truth of creation and the truth of the gospel to these new challenges in our culture. So let's be absolutely clear here sexual difference does not exist on a continuum where some men are more like women or vice versa Men and women are different at the deepest levels of their being. Our chromosomes are different. Our brains are different. Our voices are different. Our body shapes are different. Our body strengths are different. Our reproductive systems are different. The design for what our bodies are structured and destined for are different, and these designs bear witnesses to differences that reflect God's creative will or humanity because men and women are different it's philosophically impossible for a man to become a physical woman or a physical woman to become a man those who say otherwise are trafficking in fiction about human nature in fact there is no scientific proof to verify the claim that one is trapped inside the wrong body if God made men and women fundamentally and comprehensively different then the idea that a man could ever become a woman, or vice versa, is simply impossible. The differences between men and women can't be overcome simply because one person feels they're a member of the opposite sex. Your psychology, your feelings, cannot change your ontology, being. The word tells us that love rejoices with the truth in 1 Corinthians 13:6. And also the word tells us that the truth sets people free. John 8:32. So if Elizabeth, for example, was born with 2X chromosomes, Elizabeth is not a man nor can she ever be a man. We cannot remake ourselves according to our own self-will or even our deepest feelings and perceptions as real as they may be to us. Suppressing what we know is true will never produce the joy we desire. These truths mean we must have an understanding of compassion and sympathy that goes deeper than affirming someone's experiences as normal and even worth celebrating. That's what Pride Month is all about. Creation is disordered by sin but the good news is that we all need redemption, and in Jesus Christ all things are made new. Though our faith does not guarantee total relief in this life, it does guarantee a future resurrection where our desires, our perceptions, our bodies, susceptible to decay and death, are no longer an issue. Only Christians who are humble enough to recognize their own sinful brokenness, will be capable of walking with people through struggles that seem very different from their own. One of our greatest challenges in this environment is that loving the sinner but hating the sin doesn't communicate love to most LGBTQ people. That's because of what Jim called in his message a decade ago, the gay identity framework. In other words, what I feel is who I am. And if you call what I feel sinful, it's an attack on who I am, not just on my behavior. And because of that, you are a hater. Even when we do our absolute best to avoid antagonizing those who disagree, they may still find our views intolerable. More and more, we may have tough choices to make as believers in Christ. and offense may be unavoidable. Recent events have proven that being winsome in this moment will not guarantee a favorable hearing. We can be the nicest people there are and say things nicely and appropriately. The biblical worldview of our sexually broken culture is very out of step with our society today. Christians holding to Scripture as our authority are now the bad guys. We're the haters. We cannot in good conscience bend the truth But no matter how kindly we speak, we will be seen as out of step or on the wrong side of history. We need to prepare ourselves for this reality. This is why I speak these things today. We need to be prepared for this. Short of changing our beliefs, which is what happens in some cases, because it's just too intolerable to resist a family member or a friend, but short of changing our beliefs, we will be found intolerable by those who preach Tolerance. Yet we should remember that Scripture always guides our behavior, and not necessarily because it always works the way we think it will or should, but because it's biblical. We read in Colossians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, familiar passage, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, we don't do this because of the results. We do it because it honors God and His Word, and because it's what God tells us to do. That should be enough. So let's remember what we looked at in a message some months ago from 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It says, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love love is the foundation for all of this so let's not take love for granted we can easily forget the admonition not to take love for granted when fear dominates us or when despair over the direction of our culture causes us total dismay but let's also be careful to clearly distinguish God's love from the world's love different definitions after all one of the key phrases And we heard it in this video. One of the key phrases in the LGBTQ movement is love is love, right? Well, how can you argue with that? Love is love. Well, what they mean when they say that or display it in a parade or a protest sign is that who or how I love doesn't matter because love is love. But as Christians, God gets to define what love is, not the world. John 14 15 the words of Jesus he says if you love me you will keep my commandments a few verses later Jesus says in verse 24 whoever does not love me does not keep my words we cannot ignore god's definition of love and be truly loving we've already looked at 1 Corinthians 13:6 which says that love does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. In our culture, the enemy has defined love, and love means whatever you want it to mean. People might use the words, God is love, but what they really mean is love is God. That is, our views of love, whatever they happen to be, define all reality and morality. Yet that's not real love, it's a fake and a liar. Real love always points people to the God who is love, and anything that draws people away from this righteous and holy God is not love, but is a deceiver. So we want to encourage each other to love, but we also need to know what love is, as defined by the Word of God. Something else we need to be thinking about is not resorting to lying. Sometimes we might find ourselves in situations, conversations that are uncomfortable, and it might seem like the easy way to avoid conflict, just lie about something. Well short-term gain never outweighs long-term compromise. This absolutely does not mean that we should go looking for conflict. That's a problem too. We shouldn't go looking for conflict. Sometimes we are much too quick to speak and we are too slow to listen. Sometimes we pick battles we don't really need to fight you know what, we don't have to go looking for conflict in this arena. It's likely to find us at some point. So let's determine to never lie, but let's also not go looking for conflict. Let's not be the initiator. Now related to that, we cannot ever affirm evil. Like conflict, evil will find us. We read in Ephesians 5.11, have nothing to do, with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And, of course, we've already looked at Romans 1.32. Keep away from anything that might commend or even celebrate sin. We have to recognize that it may be challenging to know where that line is for each of us, between avoiding and commending. It's also sometimes difficult to know when we should actively expose deeds of darkness. So just as we must remember that LGBTQ persons are not our enemy, we must always remember that we were and are sinners too. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Another of Paul's long li- after another of Paul's long list of sins. I don't like those lists. I always find myself there in them somewhere. He says, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Remembering this, remembering these truths of Scripture brings humility to our interactions and the mercy and grace of God, hopefully it brings that to our conversations. We're all here this morning because of the mercy and grace of God and that relates to how we handle these things too. So we may have some differences of opinion, even among fellow believers, in how we navigate some of these LGBTQ questions. When these difficult dilemmas come, and they will, it won't always be absolutely clear how all of the scriptures we read apply. And sometimes it might feel like one passage recommends one path and another text suggests a different path. Choosing the best course of action will require much wisdom. As we study the scriptures, and discuss our dilemmas together. Another reason of just many I could mention that we need each other as we navigate this. Thanks be to the God who promises wisdom when we act. Ask Him, James 1.5. Finally, and certainly not the least important point here this morning, we need to pray. We need to pray. You know, it's been a couple weeks now, because this sermon was intended for last Sunday, But two Sundays ago, you may have seen the bulletin insert which said, let's turn Pride Month into Prayer Month. It was included in the bulletin a couple weeks now. So I know we're nearly at the end of the month and it won't do you a whole lot of good, but if you didn't get it, there's some extra copies still on the literature table. Why? Since our battle is not against flesh and blood, people are not our enemies. Only God can fight this battle with fruitfulness and effectiveness. We can cooperate with God's agenda in all the ways we've looked at this morning, but the most important way we can join the battle against the enemy is to seek God, to ask him to move on human hearts, to move on human institutions, to help us stand firm, to help us stand firm while also being loving and compassionate. So there you go. Happy Noahic Covenant Month. Represented by the rainbow that God left us as a reminder of his mercy that's new every morning. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your clear instructions on how to deal with our culture. We're so grateful, Father, that we can fight with the sword of the Spirit. And that it's not our battle, it's your battle. We don't battle against flesh and blood. Lord, help us to see people who are trapped in this worldview as image bearers of God. Help us to have your compassion, your love, your mercy toward them. But even in that, Father, as we exhibit that grace that Jesus was full of, we pray that you would help us also exhibit the truth that Jesus is full of. Jesus is full of grace, and he's full of truth. Help us to emulate you in that way as we navigate the challenges in this culture. In Jesus' name, amen.